Hello and welcome to episode two of the Fortitude Live podcast. I am your main host, Ian the Rhino, and uh, I'm live here with a, uh, a good friend, uh, fellow athlete, Marcus Big Business Leone. And um, we wanted to do this uh, second episode because Marcus has uh, co-hosted um, a lot of episodes with me so far. Um, we have probably seven, I think, in total recorded. Yeah. And, um, you know, you've been a part of a lot of those. And so it only makes sense to uh, introduce you to the audience uh, in the second episode. Um, for those of you who haven't heard the first episode, uh, that one is kind of the other way around with uh, Marcus talking to me quite a bit and kind of asking me about, you know, my philosophy and training and that sort of thing and what fortitude is. And so I'm going to return the favor in this episode. Um, so without further ado, this episode is brought to you by certified Piedmontese lean buff cow meat. Doo-doo-tsh. And, um, well, yeah, you're, this ho- is 85, 15. Yeah. That's- I'm actually holding a pound. We're in my kitchen recording. Yeah, so I have this big, kitchen. nice Island here. So we decided to stand up mm-hmm. and not be lazy fucks. Yeah. So we're standing in the kitchen and I have a nice 16 ounce brick of certified Piedmontese ground beef behind mm-hmm. me. Yep. That's actually what I eat for most of my meals. I oscillate, I oscillate between that and 96.4, but yeah, 96.4 we kind of gets switch. a little dry. Yeah, it can be a little dry, but um, you know, still really good. Still really good uh, and really, really useful for someone who's dieting, but their, um, their specialty, you know, you can get ground beef anywhere, but their specialty is their steaks and the different cuts of steak they have. And probably one of the most unique cuts of red meat out there because you know one of the reasons that most people shy away from red meat and steaks is that you know it's typically very high in fat high in cholesterol you know it's feedlot beef so so you know it's contributing a lot to potentially pollution the animals are questionably raised um in terms of ethics and um you know how they process the meat and that sort of thing and certified piedmontese is such a unique product because the the nature of the meat itself is it it's extremely low fat for red meat without sacrificing tenderness and flavor so yeah. you'll have you'll have a, a you know a ribeye with you know 50 to 60 grams of protein and you're only getting three to five grams of fat with that with that cut of meat and it still tastes amazing and it still is extremely tender. It's not a shoelace. It's some of the most tender meat yeah, that I've ever eaten. That other stuff you get in the grocery store that comes from the supposedly leaner side of things or healthier side of things. I mean, it yeah, it's like rubber like garbage. Yeah, and the coolest thing about Piedmontese is that their cows are they're raised in Nebraska. You know, majority of them are grass-fed. Um, you know, some of them are grass-fed, grain-finished things like that. You know, the cow itself is an extremely cool, unique animal. They actually have an inactive myostatin gene that is, you know, one of the main reasons the meat is so lean and it's so tender and flavorful is because the cow is actually from the outside looks a little bit like a bodybuilder of sorts. And um, they have, you know, they're natty. They're natty. They are natty. They're no natty. steroids and no antibiotics. There's no steroids, no antibiotics. Ain't fan of the drug tests. No growth hormone used. And, you know, they're just kind of bred to be this extremely muscular animal, you know, producing these cuts of meat. You know, they're raised on farms where they're, they're ethically raised. They're not confined to small spaces. And, you know, even when they, they process the meat, there's very, very high standards to what they... And the people to, that run the business are incredible. Yeah. I can't speak highly enough about them. Yeah, you're supporting an amazing group of friendly people who are, who are you know, aiming to do a good thing i think they got a couple they have a restaurant they have a yeah, store they just opened now their new market the restaurant it's i think it's called the mercato which is yeah. an italian market so they have that up in nebraska and i think don't quote me on this but we are in talks to go out there and we i gonna, really want to go out there we are going to fly out hopefully in october and awesome. uh, do a little bit of uh r&d with the cows <laughs> so make sure to give them a follow at certified piedmontese on instagram yeah definitely and and from there you can find the handles of the the restaurant and the store but um you can use uh, code fortitude live 25 for 25 percent off your order if you're listening to this definitely go check it out place an order try out some of their steaks you're not going to get a better product out there and especially if you're somebody dieting you know if you're one of my nutrition clients this is or any, or, or if you're anyone looking to maximize your protein intake and minimize calories, which should be the entirety of America, this is the red meat <laughs> yeah. product for you. You know, because you're, you're, it, it, you can't. It's extremely difficult to get, um, 
to get high protein and low calories in your diet without using some type of animal protein. And this is probably one of the best ways to do it. So definitely go check them out. Use the discount code, try it for yourself. See what all the hype is about. I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, now moving forward from that. Uh, so I have Marcus here and, um, I've known him for a while now. We chatted about it a little bit in the last episode, but, um, I've known him since high school and, uh, you know, we kind of disconnected for a little bit, you know, and co- throughout college and reconnected when we both were getting into powerlifting into our late twenties a few years ago. But, um, ironically enough, we actually both started lifting weights when we were, you know, angsty adolescent teenagers. <laughs> and I, you know, it's been kind of funny. It's been something we've joked about for quite some time, how, you know, how much of a role lifting weights sort of projects how, how lifting weights sort of um, directed our life and kind of changed our mentality and our mindset and our work ethic. And um, so I think that would be a really, really good place to start with, you know, kind of talking about, you know, your life growing up and kind of how, how lifting and getting into weight training sort of changed your mindset and gave you a little bit more of an identity and kind of rewarded and maybe encouraged your work ethic. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, and this is a story I tell a lot of younger athletes when I get to talk to people one-on-one and even people in the business world, because I think it's a really relatable story and it's very like honest. I mean, I, I can't say that I started lifting weights for any like noble reason. I just did it because I was like 15 years old and my dad was really big into cycling back then. So he would be going with his biking groups and he got really into fitness back when he was like in his late thirties, early forties. Thanks Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for all the things people say about that guy, he made cycling and he made fitness, honestly, yeah. pretty popular again he in America. He probably got so many people into biking and working out. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge sport now because, I mean, dude, it was my yeah. dad. So, yeah. indirectly, thank you, Lance Armstrong, <laughs> for influencing my dad, who, like, a few days a week outside of cycling, he would bring me to the gym. And I would go to the gym. And back then, we didn't have social media. So, yeah. my sphere of influence was, like, going to Publix at the time. And, like, this is true. I would just pick up like a Flex magazine or like Muscle and Fitness. Go through the magazine section, buy and, the cash registers, like. Off and the I would side. like make my mom buy me these magazines, and I remember like really vividly. I would read those magazines back then. I would see the workouts that these guys were doing because back then you had the likes of. Uh, it's like Jay Cutler. Jay and Cutler. And guys like that. I mean, the whole slew of bodybuilders. Dexter Jackson back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. You had the German giant, uh, Dennis Wolf, and a couple yeah. other big dudes that were really dominating mm-hmm. the scene of Mr. Olympia back then. And I just, I was like 15. I didn't have a car yet. I used to have to get rides to the gym every day. So, like, <laughs> I would get a ride there after school until You're I got From, my like, car. a friend or your parents? Or? I think I had my parents. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I just, yeah, I, I think I before I had my car, I had to ride. Yeah, with the with the mom or that. Yeah. So like, I just and I was just a real. I was like, it's funny because people would look at me now and like, I'm not exactly the skinniest dude ever, mm-hmm. but I'm not like obese either. Yeah. Back then, I was probably under six foot. I was maybe like five nine, five ten. When I first started working out. And a little I was, skinnier and linkier and chubby yeah chubby like and skinny long fat. red hair yeah long red hair not a good combination <laughs> not a lady killer <laughs> oh shit. and that was like up until like ninth grade man. like a gangly looking m&m oh, God, but with red hair <laughs> which like you don't win any favors with that combination oh, so i went to this gym and i just like i don't even know how i did it man but i just there was a bunch of like you're like damn at least if i'm a ginger then i'll be a buff ginger <laughs> I'd be like the what was that guy's name mr carrot or something or like who's the carrot top carrot top oh, wow. <laughs> okay he turned into a pretty jack dude what is that guy doing i don't even want to know i'm not looking at that part of the internet this is where if like we had the podcast on like a youtube video like joe rogan yeah, we have our like, jamie in the background i'd be like hey jamie pull up a uh, carrot top yeah for our, for our <laughs> there was like one picture years ago of him just <laughs> looking gigantic massive amounts of steroids <clears throat> i don't know it's just he just He's ate a lot of red meat paleo <laughs> yeah paleo crossfit uh Bacon. meditation gratitude Olive. journaling <laughs> every day don't get me started daily stoic oh. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway sorry i felt a little bit of revulsion there <laughs> um anyways yeah man so i just started reading those magazines and i would do those workouts and honestly what i did back then and i was still in high school i was just literally every single day after high school and i hated it i hated being in high school except for like one class a day i didn't like being there 
I was really smart, you know, like I did really well in school and that wasn't an issue. I just didn't like I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin back then that I was very awkward around people and I really didn't really I was into the hardcore scene. I loved hardcore music. I still do. The whole punk scene, like I identified with it like the angst in my soul. Oh, you rebel you. <laughs> it was fun, man. Let me tell you, it was a good outlet back then. And the other I would go for literally two to two and a half hours of training every single day five to six days a week i would go to that gym and since since i was 15 i haven't except for like vacations nowadays that i go on i have never taken more than a week off i've never taken time off from training because i just got so in the rhythm of like every single day Mm. five o'clock rolls around going to the gym every single day it's like uh it's like the one predictable thing that you had that you like had complete control over and you could kind of dictate the outcome of yeah, and I mean, there was some stressful stuff going back, going on in my my family life back then. So it kind of gave me an outlet from dealing with all of this stuff that I didn't really understand. Yeah. And then, like later, I totally made sense of it. Yeah, what was your training split like? Back and buys, chest and tries. No, dude, I I don't know. I would literally just take the workout that was in Flex magazine. Really? and I'd do it for a while. <laughs> and it would be like, like it would be like was it like a, were you training your whole body though? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, in the course of a week, I was yeah. training my whole body. And when I learned how to deadlift and squat, I mean, like, I remember right. I would go. You just find the workout that whatever person who was interviewed in that yeah. mag- particular magazine, <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, this is my split. And I, you it know would what's be funny? Like three sets of 12. Of I everything. actually remember for a while, maybe it was once a week, I would I would do the, the workout that they wrote for the guys from 300. Oh, shit. And it was, this, it was almost like a CrossFit workout. I did it with this older dude. It was <laughs> like actually, Jim Jones? It was like something from, they went to it, all those actors went to a gym, like out in Utah called Jim Jones, and they did this heinous, like, yeah. I remember thinking yeah. how. It was box jumps, squatting. Yeah. I mean, pull-ups. stuff. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I remember thinking how cool it was. It was like 300 reps total. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I remember when that happened. I remember when that movie was filmed and how, how like, it was almost revolutionary to, like, someone of my... It was like, like a CrossFit-style workout, too. Yeah. And that was... Fuck, man, that was like 2010. I remember how crazy it was. It was like Maybe. these actors playing in this movie. They weren't just actors that were like CGI or whatever. It was like yeah. the actors, Gerard Butler, all these guys, they actually trained on like big calorie deficits and got insanely jacked and insanely shredded and they didn't really probably i'm sure they edited a little bit I you wonder know how they did that but they 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 <laughs> they uh they got insanely physically fit and in shape and they all trained together and got insanely fit for this role to actually look like spartans and i remember looking at it and thinking damn like they're actually that in shape for that and they actually train like a motherfucker and that workout i did it like once a week so i you know it was funny and this is I'm like thinking of all this stuff now that I probably never spoke. Yeah. I've probably never even told you this yeah. stuff. But back then, I found there was like an older couple guys in that gym, and they were all like, they looked like bodybuilders, and yeah. they were definitely in their 30s and 40s. And like, yeah. I would just like latch onto their workouts and like learn from them and figure out what they were doing and like kind of yeah. like model my work ethic in the gym after what those guys did. And like, did you just like creepily follow them around? No, or no, did no. You we actually, became friends. Okay. We were all like, I was friends with all of them. Okay. And like, I just started. I don't know. Like it was aimless. It was almost aimlessly. Like I didn't know why I was doing it. I was just Mm -hmm. doing it and I couldn't stop doing it. And it was like six days a week for a long time, Mm -hmm. every afternoon. And then on the weekends I would go on Saturday or Sunday. And were were you like, did you do anything with your eating too? I I just ate a high protein diet. Mm. Like as you, much as I could, like I didn't you, track it, yeah. and I still don't. Like you just were like wake up and know that you needed, you wanted to eat a bunch of eggs or something. Yeah, I would usually eat a lot of eggs in the morning, and I would. I think in high school I had access to going to like Chick Fil A at times or like other random places. Back then I could just kind of eat whatever yeah. I wanted. I didn't as long as you were eating enough calories, it's like you weren't under eating. You were probably yeah. It was like maybe the food wasn't the best quality, but you're like at oh. home I ate really well because my yeah. dad always cooked for us. So sure. I was eating steak and chicken and like pasta and like you know pretty high calorie meals for dinner. But I would always try to add some more protein in yeah. here and there. It just wasn't as much of a focus as it was now. I didn't yeah. think about it in terms of goals, which yeah. is like intuitively I would read those magazines back then, mm-hmm. and I would try to model some of my diet after that, and yeah. you know just kind of eat up to that, and that kind of lasted until I was. <sighs> shit man like I, I would do that i would do a lot of like 
because I lived in Tallahassee at the time, I would end up running uh, stadium sprints like two or three days a week, kind of like snuck into the stadium, Doe Campbell, <laughs> run up the bleachers. I would do like a half stadium at a time, and you'd run up, come back down, run up, come back down. And that was after strength training, so I'd kind of go do that afterward or row on the machines there. And, like, it was just all aimless shit. I just mm-hmm. loved doing just it so doing much. doing whatever. It was just like you just get a new idea and just try it out. Yeah, and then eventually I learned how to deadlift. I remember back then I could deadlift 405, 455 for reps and multiple sets and, like, fill up the <laughs> – they had yeah. these really thick high-temp bumper, bumper plates. plates. They were, like, Fuck. that big. You and feel you like could, a badass. Oh, I'd fill it. I filled up the whole bar. I was only able to do, like – Four and, four and a quarter. Yeah, four and a quarter plates. So it's like 455 for reps, <laughs> and that would fill up the whole bar because it was 25 on the end. Oh, man. That was so badass back then, though. Oh, dude, there was nobody there. There was yeah. one kid who I I was actually like, I learned a lot from him, and he was kind of into powerlifting back then. And, uh, you know, I didn't put the two, in, two together until much later, but that was probably my first taste of squatting benching and deadlifting i didn't yeah. even know what a squat was until i was like 18 i had this old bodybuilder named <laughs> tuck in the gym tuck showed you how to barbell squat Dude, he was he like did. hey man you should probably be doing this because your legs are a little thin <laughs> <laughs> no i was just doing all sorts of other stuff and i was like back squatting what are you talking yeah. about back squatting yeah, you, you know, put then, a bar on your back that sounds uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, so i did it dude i think i even did yeah. some manta ray back squats back on the little blue pad <laughs> yeah, on it I remember that thing. jesus yeah. so that was probably up until i was 20 something in my early 20s i just mm. kept doing it all through college and just training as much as i could and just on the side on the side during life whatever you're doing school yeah. or family shit life or, was always the priority yeah. i mean like i remember back so like in college i ended up doing like a six month abroad thing in florence in italy and the first thing i did when i got there was find a gym and mm. i found this italian gym <laughs> like Man, it was it was like the coolest little facility, and I would walk like 20 minutes after class every day out to this gym, and I still figured out a way to train even when I was there. And it was like you know the same aimless style of training, but did you just like was your post workout like a big handful of like prosciutto or cheese? <laughs> Dude, they do not know anything about nutrition in that country. You just walk everywhere and eat really like wholesome food. So like, diet is 30 protein, 600 carbs, and 20 fat, <laughs> and 20,000 steps a day. So you never gain a pound. Massive carbs. Yeah, the diet there is based on like cigarettes and espresso shots. So you don't really ever have to worry about it. Yeah. No, I would eat like pasta and sandwiches, but it was, you know, my protein intake yeah. must have been sub 150 back yeah, then. Yeah. It was nothing. Yeah. But you know, the point was, I always had this common theme. Of, yeah, you're just like, all right, well, I need to keep doing this yeah, thing. In you the know, gym. You just, you, 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 for whatever reason, sounds like you, there was something in it that was gratifying. You found you enjoyed the process, and, and it wasn't so much about like, this thing that you were training to do it was just the training itself no i just loved lifting weights and i think that like, that period was so formative for me because yeah. it, it gave me a work ethic in the gym mm. i don't take days off you know now mm. i train more intelligently than mm. i did back then but the the thing that i did back then that was really fundamental to my training now was just lift as much as i could as heavy as i could mm. build muscle mass for as long as i could you're and just working hard for yeah. a variety of years doing compound lifts and isolation lifts hitting your you know push pull legs you know different flexion and extension of joints you were just putting your body under load for years and years yeah it was enjoyable like i don't have some super sexy story but the point that yeah. i'm trying to make that i think could be relatable and this is something i tell a lot of young dudes and young girls that are training like you know, I know that this sounds counterintuitive, but the numbers are really secondary, especially mm-hmm. in the powerlifting and weightlifting world, because a lot of what should come first isn't really sexy. It's just like building muscle yeah. mass and understanding body coordination and yeah. understanding the fundamentals. And to me, the fundamentals are really simple. Mm-hmm. People, people want to. People need to learn. I think you know, you got comfortable and you enjoyed. You know, what most people might consider boring. And I think too many people nowadays, you know, something that I'm seeing a lot is, um, is, is people that like, in order to consistently follow something, it needs to be like constantly engaging for them. It needs to be, you know, varied workouts every single week. You know, it needs to have all different kinds of sets and rep schemes. It's like people want this, you know, thing that's constant, like this, you know, program that is, you know, exciting to follow. And it's, you know, all this and that, but it's like at the end of the day, like what, if someone wants to really progress and if someone wants to really live the lifestyle, it's like, 
at the end of the day, you know, after so long, you're going to have done every exercise. <laughs> you're going to have done every set and every rep scheme. Like at the end of the day, you just have to enjoy the training and you have to be comfortable with, with boring and, and, you know, just grinding. And like, you have to enjoy, you know, just the act of like going and maybe putting your headphones in it's and kind of habit, you know, yeah, like it's just a habit. You know, what's funny about that. Like I think of two examples. The first example is like, it's it, nowadays it's very sexy to call yourself an entrepreneur or a business person <laughs> you might be able to apply those titles to me and i guess we haven't even talked about that part of my life but the day-to-day of running a business is very boring and mm-hmm. i hate to break it to all the would-be entrepreneurs out there or would-be business people businessmen and women like the day-to-day of running any business is not your cars and your yachts and your private jets and and like <sighs> eating lunches in exotic places it's like no it's like it's just dealing with annoyed and frustrated people <laughs> well it's just no it's just it's it's more than that i think i yeah. think it's more of this constant habit of providing service to people and mm-hmm. adding value to people's lives in whatever business you're in yeah so i think we got off track but yeah i did that for a number of years and then in my early 20s i ended up starting my first business mm-hmm. uh it's a it's probably a very boring business to most people but we provide real estate services to banks and institutional lenders and mortgage companies so we're a very uh b2b type business it's not something i really talk about most of the time sure. but it's something i've spent the last four years working on and growing and so you were working for with somebody and then you kind of learned the ropes and you said you right. know what, this is something i can do on my own yeah, I decided to, to venture out on my own, much like you did, and I mm-hmm. uh, started my own business with some money saved up, and it was probably, you know, it was a very risky decision to do that, because like, I literally went out on my own, and I had some money saved up, and I didn't know how I was going to be successful in such a highly <laughs> industry. Ooh, what a killer. That's my big boy, Luke. If you guys haven't seen him on Instagram, he's Luke the Giant Schnauzer. Yeah, at Luke the Giant Schnauzer. (laughs) We'll go ahead and give give him the plug. What a good plug. What a lucky dude. He didn't have to pay for that. Yeah, I know. He just had a bark. He's going to get some followers from that. Uh, Yeah, man. I went out on my own back then with just like six months reserved, saved up and in the bank, and I I just started. Just six months of living expenses? While Catherine, who's now my fiance, she was studying to take the bar back then. So we had no safety net, and now she's a badass successful attorney go give her a follow at immigration talk on instagram uh we had no fallback man it was literally just me i think i was around during that process yeah. but i i like i was around but i kind of wasn't I, was, I don't think i moved down to my Indian. no it was me sitting by myself for like months just trying to figure out how to like get another couple clients in order to grow the business <laughs> And I swear to God, like just as the money was running out, oh, just by the skin of my teeth, I think I started. <laughs> this is this is funny. I'll, I don't think I've ever told you this before. So like I had like thirty thousand dollars saved up <laughs> that I had saved from. So I'm also a real estate broker. Yeah. So I'd saved all this money doing real estate deals. So I was like, all right, like I'm gonna just that's my seed money. That's yeah. my initial investment in the business. Yeah. So. I just used that to pay our bills. You know, we had rent. Well, you just worked and cold called and did everything. Yeah, literally you had to do. cold calling and emailing people all around the state of Florida where we were initially licensed. And I, you know, I start off with one client and I got the second one a few months later. Literally, when I had two thousand dollars left in the bank, <laughs> which living in Miami, I'm sure you know that could that can go in a second. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was going to be gone. We were going to be really in trouble after that and that's and i got a a bank as a second client which actually only lasted for like three months three months was enough to get me the next client and then uh the last three years have been very fortuitous for us so i've been really grateful that we've grown this has been our biggest year of growth ever this is 2020 when i'm saying that so Mm -hmm. it's kind of (laughs) ironic but very interesting you probably if and i was training the whole time i was a powerlifting training and that's when i was running like a stupid program that just ran me out of the ground back then and it was really really just terrible training and work probably consumes all of your energy eh? oh that's it i mean that's it on a day-to-day basis i mean it's it's that so anyways like the last three years have gone by and uh, i've i've i think the point that i was trying to make was like both training and like the business world and those are two things that i like to talk about whenever i have the opportunity with other people so they're both very boring and i think that if you and i'm 
you know, fast forward to 2020, I'm really fortunate. I get to work with a really cool strength coach named Sebastian Oro. You guys mm. can find him on Instagram at Australian Strength Coach. Mm. He's <laughs> he's a good dude. He's a good friend of mine, and mm. he is arguably the best or one of the best strength coaches on the planet. Definitely, definitely knows his game when it comes to to building. Uh, yeah, strength, yeah, if you were to see my program from him. Mm. He would like most people. Would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like what? Like this is all you do, and like you should have seen the program Free I was doing. Exercises, yeah. Maybe. Leading up to the 400 kilo deadlift I just did, which I did because I was bored, and said, "Hey, Bass, let's do something fun because yeah. lockdown sucks." Yeah. And let's train for something. <laughs> give me, give me some kind of purpose here, something to kind of motivate. He did, you. yeah. So I think, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. On the contrary, I'm saying mm-hmm. that less is more, and. If you were to look at some of the best strength athletes programs on the planet, and we just talked to Dan about this, it's mm-hmm. like it's not that much volume. It's not that many different exercises. If yeah. you go into the, the, the weight room every week, like you're going to do the same shit for four weeks in a row, and then things might change slightly or they might, you know, volume and intensity might fluctuate up and down. But I've seen a lot of strength coaches before, or people that I should say this, if you could see me, I'm doing it with <laughs> big Bunny uh, ears. <laughs> the air quotes strength coaches and the type of stuff that they prescribe people and people are saying related to that 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 they're injured and they're hurt and it's like yeah you're doing too much like the point that i'm trying to make here and if there's any common theme over the past 15 years of me training is that oftentimes the, the more complicated the more flashy program you know the more complicated things are the less effective it could potentially be and the higher your risk of injury are but the point that i'm trying to make is like Patience is good. Boring is good. Patience over a long enough time span and dedication to anything is what breeds success. And having having a series of habits, it sounds like almost daily that like may or may not be the most flashy thing, but you know that if you accumulate those habits practiced for long enough, that they're going to yield a certain result if you keep showing up day in day out. Yeah. So like I started competing in powerlifting back in I don't know was it four or five years ago when I did that first battle of the bay. We yeah. talked about that on the last podcast a little bit, but probably four years ago. I, you know, and Ian and I have been together that whole time, just training together and learning from each other and stuff. But we've, you know, it's been competition after competition after competition, and I'm not going to get into like the weeds on how that all unfolded because honestly, it was just prep cycle after prep cycle yeah. after prep cycle. It was like I'm, the next, the next bit. It was like you compete and then. Then it was like, uh, you know, the next one that people start talking about. And yeah, it's it was like, like 30 days off and then yeah. back to a prep cycle. And that's what happened for four years straight. And now it's 2020 and you can't really compete as easily right now. And this is probably the first time where I've ever taken more than six months off of yeah. like preparing for a competition. Yeah. Which is where we're at now. This yeah, is like August or September of 2020. Yeah, it's 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 definitely, definitely we're at an interesting point now. You know, so, you know, you, you, that's a really good thing that you talked about, you know, talking with people about, um, about, uh, you know, training and getting, getting used to just following a routine and not having it have to be the most flashy thing. And one of the things that I've honestly found when I've trained is that, you know, oftentimes if you try to overcomplicate things and this goes with your life, this goes with nutrition, this goes with training. I've personally found that I've enjoyed routine and simple training, you know, basic exercises the most because it requires a lot less thought, a lot less mental energy. And if you, if you've had a long stressful day and, you know, some of my clients and and I've talked about this and something that I recommend to them is that, you know, simple is better. And, you know, boring is oftentimes better. If you can just turn your brain off and, you know, pick a few exercises that, you know, are highly effective and that you can load a pretty good amount of weight on and just do sets, reps, rest, set, sets, reps, you know, rest, and you can work for an hour or two and, you know, do the physical work and turn your brain off. That's going to be more effective. And you're more likely going to do that and complete that over just, you know, thinking about it and trying to design this, you know, massively complex, you know, training session and block and week and all that nonsense, you know, and you, you spend too much time thinking about it. You're not going to do it. It's often better to just say, I'm not sure what I'm going to do and just show the fuck up and go in there and, you know, pick an exercise and start working. Even if you don't have your training plan kind of laid out, you know, especially if you're stressed, especially if you've got a lot on your mind, you know, show up first, think about what you're going to do later when you, when you freaking get there and walk into the gym. Cause if you're sitting at home, sitting on the couch, the longer you wait, the longer you think about it, the more likely you're not going to do it. Now I mean, just that's what I did for years. Yeah. Even from like you show up, 
college until I was like 24, so Show 18 up, to like 24. I was just yeah. like, you know, you had things to do throughout the day now. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just like going to high school and dicking off. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, I got to go to a job and I got to go to class and I got to yeah. go do all this stuff. So every yeah. day it was like programmed into my brain. It was yeah. like, oh, it's five o'clock. Like, oh, going to the gym. Yeah. All right. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do there today. I don't know if yeah. I was going to do an arm day yeah. or like a you leg got an day. an hour or two that you're going to do something. I knew I was going to show up, yeah. and I knew I was going to stay there for two hours. And I knew yeah. I was going to leave, and like that was it. Yeah. I filled I filled in the blank as I went, just yeah. based on how I went. So yeah, maybe you got there and you started. You walked in, and you then it was like when you walk in the door, you finally thought about, oh well, yesterday I did my legs, so today I'm gonna. That's when do my, my brain always body. switched over from like day mode, active mode to like, okay, I'm gonna go walk around that track upstairs for like two or three laps. I'm just yeah. gonna think about what yeah. I'm going to do down there today. It's almost like changing your setting, you know, made you able to disconnect. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you put yourself into a new mm-hmm. spot and then you learn yeah, change how your to change there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's very important to have that as a part of your daily ritual or routine or habit or whatever you want to call it because it's like, it just gets ingrained into your head. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's like the reason that I've been so consistently progressive throughout the last four years powerlifting you know, every meet I've done, I've added 50 to 100 pounds to my mm-hmm. total. And it's not because of steroids or any of that stupid stuff. It's just like, I've just had no injuries and a yeah. lot of time under a barbell. Mm-hmm. And if you do that long enough, you're going to be really successful. Yeah, you, your your body was ready to, to, you had a foundation to build off of. And a lot of people these days don't, they're trying to peak and they're trying to build off of a, of a foundation that just doesn't exist. And so like, you're trying to, you can't build a pyramid, you know, you can't reach it. You can't build a pyramid very high if you're on a, you know, a five foot by five foot square of land. You need a large, large, large base. And you need to have had a lot of time under tension on your body to strengthen your bones, strengthen your joints, strengthen your ligaments and your connective tissue and your tendons, you know, in order for that to happen. Now, when you did your first powerlifting meet, what was your total? <laughs> I didn't have one because I well, bombed I, out. I know you bombed, but like I bombed. You technically you kind of did. I think you made one of the lifts. Okay, so I missed I'm, the command. You know what? Hold like, on. Like what would the total have been? So I think, the three lifts I did make, mm-hmm. they, they let me guess. Remember, they let me guess lift on yeah. the deadlift. So yeah. I squatted 250 kilos, and that was in knee wraps. Okay. And that was at a point in time when there you was. probably shouldn't have been lifting a knee wraps. <laughs> no, no. I just knew that like. It was, you know what? It was funny. You know the program I was following back then? Mm. I was squatting like four days a week. Jesus Christ. This and it was in Olympic like. weightlifting program. No, dude. It was a powerlifting program. <laughs> Where'd you find it? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it was too high. I think I total, I was, to, I was squatting four days a week. And that was when I was, it was right after this, man, we had this sick gym in Miami. When I first moved back to Miami, we had this sick gym called Iron Addicts. And it was like. A lifter's paradise, yeah. bodybuilding stuff, strongman stuff, powerlifting stuff. They had a monolift in there. I mean, it was sick. I saw some badass lifts go down. Yeah. And that's where I was training prior to this meet. And I had pulled, man, I had pulled pretty close to 700 at that point. Mm. It was like maybe 675 was my best deadlift. Yeah. I don't even remember what my squat and bench were because I wasn't really squatting or benching. But in the meet, I totaled 250 on my squat. I I made 140 kilos, but I un, I re-racked it before. So 390, uh, we're at 390 now. Right, so we're at 390. He, and he made his bench but missed the command, and he ended up bombing. Fucking but, idiot. But and the, <laughs> the lift that you did, I'm just thinking in terms of your strength, like if yeah. the lift would have applied. Uh, 290 was my best deadlift. So I had a, th- a 680-kilo total at the time. What was that in pounds? Four, it was like a 1,500-pound total. Okay. And that's I actually competed... At 242, if you remember, yeah, because we cut down. We cut. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus was supposed to do a big water cut. We ended up not having the hot tub, so he drank a bunch of laxative. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> which, which, which became my preferred method of cutting weight until I decided not to do that ever yeah. again. And this, actually, this is a really funny story. You remember when, when I, I, I decided to drive, and I came to pick you up in Palm Beach. Yeah. So I go to pick Ian up in Palm Beach. This is probably the first time I'd seen him in like five years. Yeah. He's like in the middle of CrossFit world, and yeah. so he he jumps into my car while I'm I'm like six hours into a water cut, and I was just chewing on ice chips. Yeah, and, fasting food and water. And somehow we ended up at a Publix, and he runs <laughs> in. And I didn't realize what he was doing, and he comes back out with like all sorts of groceries and a pint of Halo Top ice yeah, cream, big grocery bag full of food and chicken and stuff. And so we're driving, and I'm sitting there like just so dehydrated, <laughs> and he's just sitting there happy as a clam, eating his Halo Top ice cream next to me while we drive four hours together. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think the laxative <laughs> kicked in when you were like a half oh, hour out. Dude, and you're terrible, like, oh, shit. terrible. And you actually drove the whole way. I drove the whole way <laughs> while you were in this passenger seat eating ice cream. Uh, I felt very entitled at the time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just didn't realize like how bad the optics were of that. Yeah, yeah. thinking yeah. back on it. Yeah, it was yeah so the first powerlifting total four years ago was 680 kilos and... 1500 pounds so so 1500 pounds so like so your first total at 242 was actually lighter than mine but what you jumped Damn. what was the next ouch no i'm just saying i'm because i'm <laughs> about to say here what were your jumps after that oh i think the next meet that i did after that one was because from oh there God, what was from it? there you started training you know you, you were training, and from there, it was just like, all right, every other week, you're hitting, you know, you're adding 30 pounds to a lift. Yeah, I mean, not long after that, I hit my first 700-pound deadlift. Yeah. You know, I, I was starting to squat pretty heavy and intelligently, so I was following a much more structured program at the time. I don't remember exactly what the progression was, but pretty soon after, you know, it was like, I think we did this beach games competition. I don't yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah. You know, totaled in the 1700s. I think it was my first... Close to 700 pounds squat at the time. Was that your second meet? It might have been the Sunshine State Games. So, was, so from first to second meet, did you? You could probably was, look it up on Open Powerlifting. You added. It was. It was like 200 pounds. It was like 200 pounds that I went up on that second one. <laughs> so you added 200 pounds to your total for first and second. And meet. but that time I did compete at uh, at 275 okay, pounds. So you gained a little weight. So I'm gonna actually look it up while we're on the podcast. Um, but I, I just started training intelligently. Sleep was a big priority, as much as it could be at the time, because I was always really, like, pulled between work and training mm -hmm. and sleeping. Mm -hmm. It was difficult to kind of keep it up at the time. What was the you, – you made a pretty big change to your sleep that I think a lot of big guys would be really yeah. interested in hearing. Um, so here's the truth. I mean, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. This was when I was only, like, 270 pounds. This was, like – pretty 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 light compared to what i'm at right now mm. but i i got i went to do a sleep study i've always had a deviated septum i actually had surgery on it when i was like 18 but it didn't fix it so i can only ever breathe out of one nostril and mm. as i got a little bit heavier put on more muscle mass i was diagnosed with sleep apnea so i got a cpap machine and i've slept amazing ever since then so if you're a big dude one thing i could say is like i know it's not sexy and your partner's definitely gonna want to rip the thing off your face sorry cat <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best best secret to sleep. I know Stan Efforting talks about it quite a bit. Um, Big guys, and even, you know, pre pretty much anyone, like, even people clo closing in down closer to 200 pounds, if you're bad, you know, like, I, I know size is a really good predictor, and, like, the thickness of, of mm -hmm. you know, one's neck kind of determines that and, you know, how much you weigh, but I know guys that are normal size, like, in below 200 pounds that you know for one reason or another have you know, quite a bit of sleep disturbances you know and the quality of their sleep is terrible and they could probably benefit from a mm -hmm. CPAP and you know so there is this definitely a stigma that like the bigger you are you probably need it by default but I think normal sized people you know people 150 to 200 pounds if you're you know male maybe even some females like it's definitely if you sleep like shit, that's gonna affect your life pretty heavily, and it's gonna affect your training, and it's gonna make you more moody and irritable, prone to eating junk food. Like la sleep deprivation is extremely unhealthy for you, and it's one of the reasons why America is so unhealthy nowadays, uh, statistically speaking. And it, and it kind of makes you prone to a lot of other you know negative behaviors and habits also. So you know if that's something that you think you could benefit from, go get a sleep study. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Definitely go do it. So I'm looking here at open powerlifting right, back at this. Let's let's see the progression in totals. I'm, gonna, I'm curious. Okay, man, I gotta go through each one of them. So the first one actually shows us disqualified battle of the day three. <laughs> when I did pound theoretical total. When I did international beach games, <laughs> you were actually in third place right behind me, and oh, shit. I totaled 795 kilos, and I squatted 290 i benched 185 and i deadlifted 320 okay that's so pretty sick what how many kilos is that 795 795 times 2.2 the next meet i did <laughs> so you went so you added 250 pounds to your total from the first meet it's to the second bad, right? meet. that's a pretty good improvement he went 1500 to 1750 <laughs> the next meet i did i totaled 842 kilos and that was man that was back when i was 26 so i was 
couple years. <laughs> okay, so you went fifteen hundred, seventeen fifty, eighteen fifty. So I added a hundred pounds on that one. I I squatted three hundred two and a half, bench two hundred, and deadlifted three forty, and that was a sick meet. That was when Ed Cohn was the head judge. Oh, that was the first shit. time I met him. That was out at uh, CSA Gyms. Yeah, that was out at CSA Gyms at Jesse Burdick's place. Oh yeah, really cool. I didn't get to go to that one. Yeah, the next year, this is when I first competed at uh, Boss of Bosses. Boss of Bosses, the first year. Yeah, so that was an 850 kilo total. Uh, squatted 320 kilos. I uh, benched 200, and I deadlifted 330, and that's the year I had a grip problem. Oh, Actually, yeah, you I must. had deadlifted like a crazy number in the gym. I deadlifted mm. like 800 in the gym, but I was using straps that whole training cycle. So you only, so it sounds like, so you only you had a small increase from two meets right right and i did a deadlift meet after that where i trained without straps and i ended up deadlifting 375 kilograms at the time and i was a body weight of like 200 and like 80 something pounds i mm -hmm. think so right now we're flirting we're around like an 1850 to 1900 total ish yeah yeah a couple years ago so fast forward to what is this this is like last summer this is like 14 months ago this was this was oh no even more man this was june of last year okay i competed this was a i i squatted 345 kilos bench 220 and i deadlifted 365 that was my first 800 pound plus okay deadlift in competition mm -hmm. and i i don't know man was that my first 2k total what is that that's 930 kilos i don't know what that is yeah i think that was I locked it in. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a year ago. I did Boss of Bosses last fall. That was a really good meet also. Yeah, at some point or another, you made the transition from being a 700-pound squatter to an 800-pound squatter. It was this meet. It was yeah. literally from June of that year to August of that year, and then I, I squatted 365 in competition, bench 230, deadlifted 365. That was like a 2,100-pound total. Yeah, then I did right another there. meet earlier this year, and that was gave me like a 550 Wilkes, yeah. and then squatted 370, bench 235, deadlifted 375. So it was consistently like 100 to 50 pounds each meet. Yeah. It's really slow. I never tried to push anything too much. And now I'm at this point where I, you know, I pulled fucking 881 pounds yeah. in the off season, just training, you know, at a gym here. And that's got to be really interesting going from, you know, being like a teenager who just lifted weights. And now like you just did that big deadlift prep and you went from like an 830, 840 deadlift to an 881 deadlift. And it's like, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty interesting point to it's a pretty interesting level of strength to start wrapping your mind around because these weights I know to you even when you go up to them even though you can do them you still look at them and they still kind of freak you out a little bit oh dude it's like <laughs> when I was sitting there that day like I was really calm training mm. and I knew I was ready for that but at the same time <laughs> I had this like undeniable voice in the back of my head I'm like that's insane yeah. like what the fuck are you doing yeah, about like, to try and pick like that up off the ground like you still hadn't yet like, you're not desensitized to how heavy it is. Yet. I don't think I ever am, yeah. especially when I squat. I still have this thing in my head that when I squat, like, no matter how easy it might look, like, it always freaks me out. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe I'm putting 800 pounds on my back. Yeah, like, this is ridiculous. Get kind of anxious and a little bit, like, think think about it quite a bit. And yeah, I can walk up and deadlift any day. I, yeah. Squatting is a lot more mentally challenging yeah, for me. For sure. I don't know why. I think this is something still about putting a big amount of weight on my back. Yeah. That kind of freaks me out still. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely cool because, um, you know, and I know that you're not done yet and I know you've talked about some pretty interesting things going forward. You know, it's yeah. kind of like you, you did the 400 kilos and you, you know, built that and added all that weight to your max. And I think that kind of, I think like from there, I think that was a big middle ground going from like that 830, 840, which is an insane amount of weight to lift that 400 kilo, that 881 is sort of the bridge lift between like you know, some of the best of the best people in strength, you know, some of the strong men, some of the power lifters. You start to get some respect. Like yeah. I noticed that like, mm -hmm. don't take this the wrong way mm -hmm. podcast world. But mm -hmm. like, I got some cool follows on Instagram yeah. and interesting people reaching out to me saying that they were pretty impressed by it. And yeah. it was like, Oh, it's, it's kind of like, that's it's cool. <laughs> like deadlift. Like if you're a big guy deadlifting over 400 kilos, like into the 900 pound range, 
like that's starting that's like you're you're leaving your signature on the you know you're leaving your john hancock on on powerlifting or on uh you know on on strength sports and so it's pretty it must be pretty cool to like think that you're you know you can basically like write your name off next to all these crazy other cool names you know in the industry i think i'm close i think i think what that did to me because like i had nothing else to do and we were in covid the serious lockdown part of covid where nothing was open so like you know you and i were very fortunate we had access to training still privately um and i had nothing else to do so at that time i was like all right like let's put this strength wave to good use Uh and you know we built up a pretty big deadlift at that point and what that did to me mentally was unlock this idea like the next step is achievable, right? Yeah. So now I'm, I sat there after that, and I'm like, oh, well, what if I could deadlift a thousand pounds, yeah. strongman style, like sure. next year? Like yeah. I could probably do a nine. I probably could have done nine hundred pounds that day yeah. if I really set my mind to it. Uh-huh. But you know, I think that that day put lifting in a different perspective for me. Yeah, going That's, ahead. Yeah, and I, but it's going to be interesting because I think the the nature of training for something like that, it's not. It's not something you can just like because you just pulled 400 kilos, meaning like you can just keep building off of that. It's nah. like you have to take a step back for a while and be super patient. And then it's almost like you have to organize, you know, this period of your life to build your body up to do this thing. And, you know, maybe you do that on that day, but that's not like an ambient level of strength that you just kind of maintain year round. It's like the bot, like the human body getting it to be able to do that is a very like systemically precise intelligently created progression you know when you're following this this plan to like build your body up to be capable of doing that and then you plan it around that day and make sure that like all of your life you know your lifestyle is kind of conducive to uh to making that lift happen on that day and then you sort of take a step away from it for a while that's exhausting man like i don't care what anybody unless you're jamal browner who can deadlift that weight every week and not have an issue well for now right like (laughs) It's very difficult. And, like, mm-hmm. the program leading up to it was pretty slow and intensive. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, you build and you build and you build. You let your body cool down, chill out a little bit, and you go for the big day. And then mm-hmm. once it's done, the, the reality sets in that, like, okay, I can't really do that again for a while. Yeah. And I think a lot of people should know that, especially in the Instagram age that we're in now. Yeah. Those people don't do that every week, and it's not possible. So, like, you look at the highlight, highlight reel of somebody's lifting career is a once every six month type thing. Because, mm-hmm. like, I went back and I was just looking at that open powerlifting list, and it's like what I competed once every six months for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. It takes that long for for strength to catch up to you and to do it in a healthy way. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, and one of the ways I think it was Ed Cohn that put it uh, um, that you know, and talking about his own training and his own, you know, lifts in terms of training and Instagram and that sort of thing. He said, you know, your body only has a certain number of, you know, 600, 700, 800 pound lifts, depend on, depending on who you are. You know, you may have two or three or five. Yeah, he said nine. you only have a certain number of singles left in you, yeah, your whole life. Have, yeah, you only have a certain number of those, you know, to do. And, and, you know, if you're an athlete, it's best to put those in competition and not, you know, in training. Yeah, don't be the guy maxing out in the gym. <laughs> like, it's, it, 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 okay, I shouldn't say that because I literally did the 400 kilo deadlift in the gym. But max out for a purpose, maybe. Yeah, well, it's just there was no competitions to do at the time. Yeah. But test, yeah, you test, know what I'm saying. Yeah, testing your lifts doesn't get you stronger. You're just testing to see, and it's you're testing yeah. to achieve. Testing in itself is just kind of a waste of a training session in terms of progression. You know, that's just that's just a measure of the progression that you've gotten through, you know, all the previous training sessions leading up to that. That's how you that's how you um, validate, you know, your training leading up to that point, you know, and that's kind of testing is competing. And it's not necessarily yeah, save training. that stuff for the big day. Yeah, but cool. So where where are you going from now? Where are you, where are you going from here? I really don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm at this weird point where I'm kind of just in an extended off season. I've been working a lot. You know, I've got my real estate brokerage practice. You know, I've got real estate clients that I'm working with, and I have my appraisal management company, which is mm-hmm. busier than ever, and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of mental energy. So right now, training is secondary. Mm-hmm. It's four days a week of light stuff where I'm yeah. not really pushing it. There's just nothing flashy. Maintaining your body. Yeah, I'm not necessarily getting stronger, but you're not necessarily getting weaker. No, I'm just kind of coasting, and I mean, my mind needs that for a long period of time, and I yeah. think that's it's really important for me right now to consider that as a top priority to, to make sure that my lifting is not taking over the rest of my life yeah. so i guess for the future like you know i have some pretty pretty good business goals that i'm trying to achieve over the next few months sure. which i've worked the, actually it's ironic because covid has unlocked so much work for us mm. in, in a weird way that yeah. we actually hit our biggest period of growth 
ever during the last six months. I'm sure that takes a certain amount of mental energy to deal with and manage. Tons, tons, tons. And I mean, it's doable because I'm I'm skilled at what I do day to day. But in terms of lifting, I I have an idea of my next competition. Hopefully, I can do it early next year if travel and COVID allows it. I'm getting married next summer in Italy, so you got to work on that as well. And I have a kind of lofty deadlift goal I'd like to do in competition next year, a strongman style, which I've never done before, and I don't know anything about it except the – you know, it seems like it'd be a fun challenge. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I want to try and deadlift a thousand pounds in a suit. And it would be in a suit with a deadlift bar, or yeah, well, whatever the strong, whatever yeah. the rules in the strongman world are, you know, I'd like to try and hit a thousand pound deadlift just in the suit. So yeah, just in some like in a in some type, you know, in the suit, and you know, maybe with a different kind of bar, maybe with the same bar, just yeah, be interesting a deadlift bar. Yeah, be I mean, super I've never tried an elephant bar. I don't even know what that feels like. <laughs> it's a little bit tricky. I've lifted on one of those before, and it's a little bit whippier. Um, but you can usually break the ground a little bit easier. But yeah, I think that was really interesting. Um, I think there are a lot of really great takeaways from that. So hopefully, for you guys listening, um, you got something from that, and you enjoyed, you know, listening to us kind of shoot the shit a little bit. Um, I think that's a really good place to kind of end things and cut things off. Um, a lot of value in that one. Uh, so Marcus, if you want to go ahead and plug your page and anything you want the listeners to know about, then we'll kind of go from there. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited for all the episodes that we're going to do together. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Marcus Leone. Uh, you know, it's also an unofficial homepage for my brokerage practice. Sure. So if you guys are in Miami, anybody wants any help buying or selling real estate, sure thing. Hit me up. I've been in the business for quite some time. Other than that, um, you know, I also work with certified Piedmontese, so make sure to use the podcast discount code for that as well. Fortitude Live 25. Great company. I mean, really, not just because I have a sponsorship relationship with them, but because it's so good. And I, I don't, I don't financially, I don't need to plug anything that doesn't uh, make sense to me. So yeah. I, I think that working with them has been a real blessing because they're good people and i yeah. love the product and i am literally as soon as we get done i'm about to cook a pound of their ground beef and yeah. for dinner yeah. we're definitely the type <laughs> that we're not going to work with or endorse anything that we don't think is going to bring you guys yeah. value and so uh, so you know i would i would probably stand behind that product regardless of any sponsorship i just yeah. i think it's really phenomenal it just worked out really well for both of us that yeah they wanted to work with us and yeah. uh Very I, i'm excited to have some more honest, open conversations on this platform because I think the world of sports performance needs to hear the truth about a lot of the darker side and the more hidden side of the, of yeah. the strength world that yeah. could benefit younger lifters and just kind of put to bed some stupid myths. So I hope we yeah. get into that stuff in the future podcasts. The fitness industry definitely could use a lot of transparency, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I God, I just... There's so much of it out there that can be talked about, and we'll say that for a later day. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Thanks Uh, for coming on. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Um, Stay tuned for uh, episode three. We got a good one coming for you guys. It's pretty funny. With uh, what time did we record that podcast? That it was, was like late. It, it was, was like midnight to three a.m. or yeah. two a.m. with a couple recorded. of our friends that are pretty funny on a trip that we went on. So I think you guys will really enjoy it. <laughs> Stay I'm tuned. Pumped. Be on the lookout. Go check out the Fortitude Sports Performance page at Fortitude Sports Performance. You can find me, your main host, Ian the Rhino, at Ian the Rhino. Um, it's a pleasure having you guys. Take it easy. <laughs>